Welcome to episode number 263 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I welcome Daniel Tashian, who just has a sound. Did you hear that sound? Did you hear that beautiful music? That was a song called How Old Should I Be? from his record, Mr. Moonlight, that he recorded during this quarantine. And as you can see, he's not the only one singing. He works with his kids on it. And it was really cool to to talk to him and to hear all about what he's doing. He's accomplished a lot in the music industry. And to get a chance to talk to him was really pretty pretty cool and pretty fun for me. So, and But, you know, this podcast isn't all about me. It's about finding good stuff and then sharing it with you, the person listening to this. Whoever you may be, friend, new friend, old friend, future friend, whoever. It's just great that you're listening and taking the time. All the past episodes are available at goodstuffpod.com. They're also available wherever you get your podcasts. So let's hear from Daniel. And stay tuned all the way to the end of the show to hear the full song, How Old Should I Be? It's a it's a great day. I'm here in Houston, Texas, but I'm talking to my new friend, uh, Daniel Tashian, who's in what, you're in Nashville. Is this right? You're in Music City. Yeah, that's right, Mike. I'm in Music City, and um, it's a beautiful day here. It's a little bit cooler than it usually is this time of year. It's about 79 degrees today, and uh, it's just a beautiful day. Um, and yeah, the sun is shining, and um, yeah, it's almost like uh, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, it's. Oh, I feel the same way. I took a walk today, and I was like, oh, there's nothing wrong in the world. Everything is – oh, wait. Then I opened Twitter. That is something I should not have done. So, But that's not what we're, – we're not here to talk about the state of the world. I mean, I think that some of it's going to seep in just because of, of what we're going to talk about. But like right. what I think um, – what I would love to do – so let's just set the scene here. You are a, a musician. You're a producer. Um, as I said to you before, you've kind of you, – you saw – the musical landscape from a uh, from a height that not many people have um and and maybe we'll get into that a little bit but um mostly like w- what i think is cool is uh how, is finding out how folks started with their with their music i know that you've got some influences mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about in terms of this record mm-hmm. that we're going to get to i promise but so let's get a little bit of like the the backstory before we dive into this new record this new project right Mm-hmm. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So yeah, man. This so do backstory. So did you did you start? You know, how did you start musically? Did you start play, as a guitar player? Start as a piano player? Start as a banjo, ukulele, tuba? Mm-hmm. What what was it? Well, there were two pianos in my grandmother's house, and I just didn't understand why anybody would need two pianos. Um, First of all, why would you? But um, and they were very close to each other. But um, one belonged to my grandmother and one belonged to my grandfather. And um, 
you know, so everybody was musical. I come from a long line of musicians on both sides. Um, you know, my grandfather on my father's side was a jazz drummer in the in the 30s. Um, you know, all all of my all of my um, grandparents played piano, and it was just sort of more of like a I don't know. I guess in that kind of parlor kind of society in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, when we weren't <clears throat> inundated with so many options for entertainment, everybody had to know how to play a song. You know, everybody had to kind of know some some licks on the old piano. So, so um, you know, I just grew up in a really musical atmosphere in the 70s when I was a kid, uh, 70s and 80s. You know, it's vinyl-y kind of time, so there's a lot of records. Um, Around there's a lot of music on the TV uh, and radio stations that I listened to. Um, the earlier part of my childhood, the formative part, was kind of in Connecticut, and and um, you get a lot of radio stations up there in the in the uh, tri-state area. Um, you know, um, you can pick up all the New York stations, all the New Jersey stations. So there's a lot of music around. You know, it's everywhere. My grandmother used to teach vocal lessons. Um, so a lot of vocal students would come out to her house, so I would hear, um, you know, the sound of voice lessons and the different classical pieces that the people would be learning to sing. And um, But mainly, you know, like all other kids, I watched a lot of TV, so um, a lot of the um, stuff that uh, that I watched had great music, like Sesame Street, um, I guess Nile Rodgers was involved in that, I'm not sure when. But, oh, that's um, interesting, I did not know that. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, Electric Company was another one that had some really kind of edgy music and psychedelic graphics, and and then, um, and then, Glass Mama for whatever it is, real quick, real quick. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, and I, I just, I remember hearing Magic by Olivia Newton-John. That was a pivotal song because um, uh, it really was pretty magical to me. I remember, you know, I wanted to be a DJ. That was the first thing I wanted to do because I thought from my young mind's eye that the DJs were sort of creating the music somehow. Yeah. Uh, but um, my dad took me to a radio station to meet an actual DJ and um, – I kind of decided that no, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually play. So, um, but guitar just hurt my hands, and so I couldn't play guitar. And piano was too hard. I couldn't concentrate for that long. We have to sit down there and play scales. It's been very tricky for me to con concentrate my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I'm at the height of my concentrating powers right now. When really, honestly, you know, they want you to concentrate so much for a kid. I think it's I think it's hard for kids. But anyway. <laughs> I got off track. No, that's right. It's actually it all makes sense. It it, it totally works. Um, so so no so piano, no drums. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I started with the drums because that just worked with my um with my lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As a like a you know eight year old, we moved to Nashville when I was ten, and I got a drum set for Christmas not long after that. Um, and then once I got a drum set and some you know headphones and a and a and a, and a CD player, you know. I was off to like jamming with records and just sitting in my room back at home and alternating between drawing and playing the drums. And I would turn all the lights out in my room and kind of pretend that I was in a concert and, uh, and play along to, to, to records like, you know, red hot chili peppers or sting or, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. The police was a big, was a big deal for me. You too. Sure. And, um, you know, a lot of the 80s bands. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the, what's what's cool about that is um, you you uh, you're the first one who's uh, who's you're the first person who's dropped Olivia Newton John in the course of the influences part of of our Good Stuff Kids podcast interviews. So so much respect to you for doing that. And then another interesting thing is the um, the the bands that you listen to are not necessarily what I would call like straight ahead, right? Like Tad Smith of the Chili Peppers. He, he's mm. he's a funky drummer and Stuart Copeland is definitely a funky drummer. Mm-hmm. So, do you, Oh yeah, you know, I wanted to play like those guys, but I just didn't have the speed, you know? I was like, man, Stuart Copeland's just so, um, I guess, you know, a certain amount of that is cultivated, but a certain amount, I just knew kids, you know, that were like speed demons when I, when I started getting into the musician scene. Yeah. It was like guys like, um, there was this kid around, you know, Shredders, man, that could like right. play so fast. And I was like, all right, I gotta like figure out another way to get ahead because I can't. <laughs> I can't really compete with. With I've I've never been a virtuoso at anything. Sure, sure, but um, um, but so so that led you eventually, right? Like I'm sure you played in bands, and I'm sure you had all kinds of other things. And you, you know, as careers go, you you move forward, you move forward, and you eventually started working with Casey Musgrave. Um, did you work right? So which records of hers have did you work on? Uh, I've only worked on one record, um, and it was the most recent one. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that. But but I did know her. She was around um, Nashville, and um, I'd see her and and yeah. talk to her and stuff. But um, we had never worked together until it was time to make Golden Hour, and she kind of wanted to like expand a little bit on the sound that she was was working on. And, mm-hmm. um, so so yeah. so that is a very well received record. Won some big awards, Grammy, record of the was it record of the year, album of the year, mm-hmm. or was it? I, I don't. I still don't fully understand how that works. But that's you know in my mind. Well, record of the year is a song, right? An album is um, the album, full album. is a, is an album. Yeah. Right. Okay. So which one did uh, Golden Hour won album? Yeah. Album. Yeah. Right. So that's the whole shebang. Um. So one of my uh, you know we all grew up with, like with different interests and different things. And I always thought that like, if you won the Grammy, that meant that you, you're a living legend cemented in gold. Well, cemented in gold doesn't really make sense. Cause you'd be cemented in cement, but like, you know, that you will always have as something to show that you created something that was deemed as the best thing that happened that year. So that had to be such an amazing, amazing experience. Right. And then let's, let's fast forward a little bit from there. And all of a sudden I remember, I think it was like March 13th. I'm sitting watching TV with my wife and all of a sudden the NBA seasons canceled and that Tom Hanks and, uh, and his wife, Rita Wilson were both diagnosed with COVID-19 and we've basically been in quarantine with some loosening. I'm in Texas, so it's loosening a little bit. I think it's loosening in Tennessee as well. But so here you are as someone who who works with a lot of musicians. All of a sudden, you're finding yourself at home, right? Uh, and I'm projecting that your experience is similar to mine. I have three little kids. I know that you have kids, right? They came to visit us during the course of this recording. That's how you know this is real, folks. That's how you know where this stuff comes from. But how did you ha- how did you take advantage of of that time that you had at home? Well, um, you know, I was reading some interviews, and um, um, one of the interviews that I read was with a guy who um, um, he's in a band called Caribou, um, uh, uh, Snave, Dan Snave. 
and um, he has his he has his studio in his uh, apartment in Paris where he lives with his family, and he, you know, really likes it when they breeze through and give their opinion <laughs> on how things are going. Okay. And um, he allows that really, you know, to, I was reading about how he really allowed that to shape uh, the sound of his records. And um, he says, uh, so I built a little studio in my closet and I took my clothes out and we got one of these um, rolling um, sort of garment rack things. And I put all my shirts and jackets and everything on a, hanging thing and then i put my other clothes in baskets and i just put um some guitars and some keyboards and a microphone and some headphones and a computer in in my closet and um so that was because i just really wanted to be you know making music but also be in the in the flow of life here at home and you know my my previous um incarnation was um you know, working at, at studios uh, outside the house um, for, you know, sometimes 12 to 14 hours a day, maybe more, you know. So it was a new experience for me to um, be around here full time, and I really like it. Um, and, yeah, you just naturally, if you're me, I'm a very, um, like I said, restless person. It's, it's I got to keep moving, and um I got to keep creating, and um, so that's part of that for me is trying to work on some songs with the girls because we're all here together. Right, and what what started off as as working on some songs with the girls really turned into into a record, a record called Mister Moonlight. Um, right? right. So well, we had okay before yeah, the quarantine, uh-huh. we had gone to um, Moonlight had been on my mind because the the moon in the sort of um, I guess uh, kind of hemisphere that we're in right around in the in the very early part of the year. It's it's exceptionally huge sometimes in Nashville, and um, it has to do with our location on the. Um, uh, anyway, uh, something with the refraction of the Earth, and we had gone to this local high school had built this sort of man scale model of the moon that was unbelievable and you could only go see it at night and we went and we went to the moon and we walked all around it and you walk underneath it and it's giant it's about the size of man uh i'm trying to think what the scale of that thing would be um uh you know 50 feet tall maybe mm-hmm. you know like bigger uh, than than like an imax theater or something like that i guess it it's was kind just of a what... big big giant moon that these yeah. high school kids had built and we were all transfixed by this thing and, and everybody was just um really blown away so i knew i wanted to have something about um the moon and then you know we just kind of started there and um just asking them what you know what kind of stuff they're interested in mm-hmm. <clears throat> so how did you um like what was the the level to which they were involved you know because they're i i'm i am again like i don't know this for a fact but i'm pretty sure they're on the record right like they're singing with you on pretty much every song um so yeah, they are you know to varying degrees of um you know perfection um which is part of the you know the charm of it once you put those those child voices on a, on a recording it, it it has a different um uh, emotional impact, uh, at least for me, um, you know, like when you listen to the beginning of you can't always get what you want and you've got that boys choir on there or, um, 
um, Talk Talk, uh, the first song on that on that Color of Spring album, has some wonderful uh, children's voices. They just uh, have a purity to their tone, and um, the um, the intention is is mm-hmm. uh, an unself conscious way of singing that I really admire. You know. Yeah, and and it 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 is. I think it's interesting. You know, the idea that it's a little bit rougher around the edges yet still pure right and it it enhances the song and everything that's going on in the background musically of the song not like content of the lyrics right but like the music also is really you know and and we started off by talking about this but like when you're putting the music for this together are you conscious about right because you're a producer and producer produces so when you're putting this together are you thinking like i want to soften this sound i want it to sort of be you know and i'm thinking about the song clouds in particular right so like there's a there there's a when you think of clouds what do you think of you think of this it's very soft right you would land on a cloud and it would be like oh this is really i'm like my arms are in the air like bouncing a little bit it it, i look ridiculous to myself so i'm glad you're not here to see this so i'll just tell you about how ridiculous i look like right now (laughs) but are you thinking consciously like from a sonic like landscape perspective about having the music line up with the vocals and like to create that atmosphere and that feeling yeah that's a good question uh, I think you do. I think you do do that, Mike. I mean, I, I think you want to, you know, going back to that Olivia Newton-John experience with with that song. You you want to be um, transported by something when you're listening to a song, and you don't have the benefit of um, some visuals uh, sometimes, unless you make a movie to go along with it. So you've got to take everybody on that journey with with just the sound. And you know, I've been able to do that. Um, I'm grateful to varying uh, degrees of success uh, over over a number of years, but yeah, you do want to you do want to take people um, on that on that visual ride. And if your only you know tools in your paint box are are um, are sounds, then yeah, you've got to uh, make sure that they are painting that that picture that you want people to get. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So for a song like "How Old Should I Be." Um, or maybe even pirate life. When you're putting the song together, how how does it come together from a lyrics slash music perspective? Is it full collaboration with your daughters? Yeah, it starts as a hum, and you know, like you kind of get like we read um, some of these uh, Pooh and Piglet books, and um, Pooh's always walking around humming little things to himself. So, so it starts with a hum. And you just start humming something that's a little bit, and if it's a catchy hum and you hum it around someone else that they catch it, then you know you've got something that you can go somewhere with. A couple of hums that I came up with, they weren't catchy, and these little ones, they didn't they didn't catch on to them. They couldn't sing them back to me, maybe because it was too complicated, or um, it just didn't have enough to hook them in. You know, maybe the subject wasn't, wasn't interesting enough. I don't know. Hmm. So, so for like pirate life was it the kind yeah. of thing? yeah so like t- take me through that one yeah well we were p- putting the girls to bed and um i came in and said you know we should do a song about the pirate life and one of the girls said yes immediately that sounds like a good thing to make a song about and the two others they weren't sure if they wanted to that sounded maybe it could be a little frightening um mm. kind of song so they didn't know because we had just gone to the pirates of the caribbean um at disneyland yeah, and it was very <laughs> frightening for our two youngest. Uh-huh, um, we had that we, experience we too, yeah. 
we weren't really prepared for how frightening it would be. Um, it was awesome, um, of course. It's Disneyland. Um, right, right. But it was also a bit uh, frightening. So they were thinking back on that experience, and they weren't sure they wanted one, – one of the girls, uh, Tinkerbell, wasn't sure if she wanted to participate in that song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, which speaks of the power of Disneyland and also speaks of the power of music. Uh, uh, but – um, she did after a few days, she said, you know, I think I'm okay to sing on this. Um, mm-hmm. she, she heard enough of it to think that this is pretty benign. I think I can do this. Yeah. Um, it's a great one. So, and then, um, you know, I started strumming that one on the ukulele actually. And it's just a couple chords. Oh, the pirate life is a life so fun. And it used to say, um, eat chocolate bars and drink red wine. But, but they told me you can't have children singing about drinking wine, yeah. which makes total sense to me. You can't do that. I guess so. Um, right. Even I if guess. you're not even being really literal about it, you know, even you can't even joke about it, which, which <laughs> none of my children drink wine. So it's not a, 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 a problem. That they, well, they no one, do. no one even assumes assumed or thought that they would have um but anyway um yeah we got um just started strumming on the ukulele and you know like i said if i can get somebody to to catch that um melody and hook onto it then then we can go yeah so okay so then another song that i loved was paris um and what i what i loved about it and and it's just such a hilarious thing right like you captured being a parent in like a nutshell in like one line and and the song is great right and it paints a picture of paris musically and i've never been personally but like that's you know i get that but um you know there's a there's a line like what's the what's the first thing you want to do when you want to go to paris and they're like i want to take a train to switzerland (laughs) but we just got (laughs) what do you mean oh so like i get that i get that totally and i get that Every parent gets that when it's like, all right, I made chicken for dinner. And they're like, well, I don't want chicken. I want mac and cheese or whatever the the equivalent equivalent is. So it had to be like such a blast, right? Like just so fun to to make this record. Was that like a totally improvised moment? It was totally improvised. I didn't know she was going to say that. And it really made the whole song. And that's just an example of one of the times when they can pull these rabbits out of their hat where they'll do something really, you know, funny or interesting that changes the trajectory of the whole thing in a, in a really unexpected and good way. And that's just part of their creativity. But um, yeah, I learned, I learned from them. That's what you do. That's what belongs there. That's hilarious in the middle of a song about right. Paris. It's just immediately start talking about somewhere else. That's perfect. <laughs> I wish I had written that. That's yeah. genius. Man, it's so smart. Because it makes it funny. Yeah, you know? it's so funny. It's so great. Um, so It's like a vaudeville joke. Then it becomes like a, a vaudeville comedy uh, routine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's so great. And and to have it captured there is so Like she scuttled it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So, I mean, so again, like we don't want to get too far into the record. We want people to listen to it and find it. Um, but one thing I also want to hear about is the the artwork for the record. Is there anything we should know about the artwork? Yeah, my wife does these marker drawings um and you can um, you can find her at Lillian Fish Studio on Instagram, and um, that's um, L I L L I A N F I S H uh, Studio. And she does drawings with marker, and um, they're really fantastic. She draws all the time, and um, she. Uh, I said I need a you know some a couple covers, and and she's she was very graciously uh, offered to do them, and um, yeah, you know. Um, 
it's wonderful to get everybody involved. You said something a minute ago, Mike. You said it sounds like it was a blast. And 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 not to detract from that statement, it was a blast. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's very um, um, normal to just assume that, um, you know, for someone like myself or someone who's done something that other people might want to attempt that it's just not difficult for me. Um, I mean, there were moments where I was just beyond frustrated because I could not get anybody and I've got a mastering day tomorrow and they're all doing what they want to do and rightfully so. And they're not on my schedule. I couldn't get anybody to sing, um, on a couple of the songs. And, mm-hmm. and, and I just knew that without them singing, there's just nothing. And they were just, so, you know, that and then technical uh, difficulties with, you know, one thing or another, trying to get it all, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer um, and I, I'm passionate about engineering, but um, obviously um, I, um, I work with some great engineers. And, and, and um, so when you're trying to do all that stuff all together, well, you better have all day long uh, because you're going to run into some snags. And, and I, thankfully I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's hard too because they um, working with kids is, is difficult. As much um, great energy as they bring to a project, they also bring um, an unpredictability in terms of when they're going to want to to work on it. And if you get in the habit of getting them to work when they don't want to work on something, you will very quickly become unpopular. Yes. And you don't want to become <laughs> unpopular when you're a parent. You want to be popular. That is uh, uh, that is profound so parenting advice. A, I have to say, it's a long, <laughs> it's a big struggle to not become an unpopular ogre that's like making people do something they don't want to do, yeah. and simultaneously spoiling the joy of their experience. You know, when deadlines come in, it's like, man, um, I, you know, I had to just kind of dig deep and be like, guys, if y'all do me this solid of just doing this vocal, we will um, make it up to you somehow. They'd be like, Target. I'm like, well, we can't go to Target right now. <laughs> It's not open. Maybe like um, ice cream sandwich. Like we can talk about it. that's that could, that could be probably that's arranged. A, that's like, a good right, one. I'm going, yeah. You know, I'm going first. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Always good to have ice cream sandwich as a. Uh, I wouldn't call it a bribe. I would call it a uh, reward. You know, like let's uh, let's get to it. Right. And, and I, I like that. That yeah. rebranding. Yeah, we totally rebrand it. Um, but it's it's also like it's really true. You know, you have this project that you want to do and you know, I have three kids and I know that it's not often when we're all on the same page wanting to do the same thing at the same time. And uh, to to be able to have more moments of that than less is a really, uh, is a really nice sentiment. And it really, mm-hmm. I think, makes this project really, really special. So um, I guess like, you know, last question is like, was there anything that, that surprised you about trying to make a record with your kids anything you were like oh that was like way different than i expected it to be um i don't know uh that's that's interesting um well i had already made one uh uh, with them so i had a little bit of experience um in that sense and that i knew that i had to have some rewards on hand if i was going to try to stay on track and i already knew that um, it was probably better to get them individually recorded than together because when I try to record them together, they, they, they sort of, they like to have their own space to, to, to do their own thing. So, mm-hmm. and then blend them later. 
Sure. Uh, so I learned a couple things the first time around that helped me out this time. But I guess like the normal sort of soundtrack of life here can can range from sort of Katy Perry to, you know, Taylor Swift. Uh, you know, it's very um, kind of pop oriented. So I didn't know whether or not they would be get on be able to get on board with some of the more um, quaint kind of things like, um, you know, like clouds or the Paris on their sort of quaint little cafe kind of feeling things and i didn't know if they were going to be like snooze dad this is like <laughs> you know lamesville uh get some real beats and call me back in 15 minutes you know? <laughs> but they were really able to get on board with 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 things like you know a, a march or 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 a uh, you know a shanty mm -hmm. these different kinds of, of um popular music forms that are more antiquated and they seem to kind of get get into it with me which you know their minds are open you know it's like i want to i want to be like that i want to keep my mind as open as i can yeah um and um so yeah uh Great. i don't know if that exactly hits the right note no on it's question. it's uh it totally does it totally does i think it's it, it, as again like as parents we never it, it's it's a game of expectations and what i mean by that is a game of us not having expectations because you never really know so um that was very confusing so uh, the the record is called mr moonlight and it just came out about uh oh, less than a week ago so where can we uh where can we find the record how can we learn more about you or follow you if there's an instagram or a facebook or a twitter or sure. a website or what have you thank you for that my um Twitter or uh, Instagram account is at the Silver Seas, um, and um, it's that little at sign. You have to find a way to make it on the keyboard, but uh -huh. um, and um, yeah, I'm you know I can't uh, slow down, Mike. I just got to keep um, <laughs> you know doing my thing and, and being creative, and I'm on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, um, <clears throat> there's been um, you know some discussions um about getting getting some more music going with with um some of the artists that i've worked with like casey and uh and a couple others so that's good. i'm just going to continue i'm going to continue to do what i can you know to yeah. um to make the world uh, a more beautiful place and uh uh thanks for having me on the show um and was there anything else we, we were going to well, I, well, I I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you could just give us the briefest right before I let you go. The sound of the drums on the song "Clouds" is uh, like, right. That's right. Like, was there um, any special technique for that? I'll tell you, there is, uh -huh. um, and um, you know, it's not a secret. Um, a lot of people use these, but there's um, a keyboard that Yamaha makes called the SX700, and it's a, a Ranger keyboard. So. Um, you can it's very easy to um create orchestration so once you have a song and um you kind of map it out in this keyboard and you create percussive beds and you create sonic beds and a lot if not all of the songs were based in the sx 700 um performances that you um can make huh. cool. and it's sort of like canned music away in a little bit a little bit it's a little bit like um you know, stock photos or something because it's very uh, simple and it's not ornate, but there's a lot of styles in there and it's very easy to, for me, I couldn't have made this album without this thing because um, it really helped to sketch the arrangement and that's why it's called an arranger keyboard. So a lot of the sounds are, are, are not good. I mean, but you know, <laughs> if you like, if you like 
kind of not good canned sounds sometimes, which I sort of sometimes get in the mood for them the same way you get in the mood for a Coke every once in a while. Uh-huh. You know, sure. You, you, they're very nice for that when you're in the mood for that. And a lot of them, you know, I added my own drums or added my own bass and guitars and different things over the top to Sure. So it's not just the canned music. But um, Leonard Cohen <clears throat> used, used uh, an arranger keyboard a good bit on the album um, I'm Your Man, which is a wonderful... Uh, um, album and uh, yeah if anyone's wanting to sketch out some arrangements I recommend the, the Yamaha SX700 huh. and the learning curve is probably a little steep it's not just a no uh, no 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 not at oh, all. Okay, you can get cool. going pretty easily on that thing honestly cool no, it's very not cool very hard. Yeah, you'll be like oh I see I yeah it's easy I can do this so Yamaha call Daniel call me let's get it out there we will endorse the the SX700 I don't know if they need us for their endorsement but you know I don't know I, if they do either I wouldn't um, say no would you say no <laughs> no yeah <laughs> um and um you know a couple other things um really helped me out an engineer named Mike Poole who lives around the corner from me who's mm-hmm. worked on a lot of stuff he worked on the Nashville television show for several years so he knows how to um how to blend voices and music together. And, and, um, so he really helped on that um, yeah. mixing phase of things. So would you, so this record, we should also say, right. Um, it came together in two weeks, right. Am, am I right? Yeah. So like, that's, that's, uh, that's a, that's a lot of work to go into something and, uh, for, for it to come out so great, right. Sounds so good after, after two weeks, start to finish from beginning to end is a really, uh, it's a testament to your, uh, to your work ethic and your skills and man, it's awesome. And thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, don't underestimate what you can accomplish when you've got a deadline, you know, and, (laughs) um, I got, I had a little mastering, I set a little mastering date and um, if you don't upload your tracks by the mastering date, you get charged for mastering and you still have no record. So um, it's a good way to keep yourself uh, motivated and on track. Yeah, track. I believe that's called having some skin <laughs> in the game. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Daniel. Okay, Mike. Thanks for having me. You have a good one now. You too. I hope you enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that conversation. I learned a ton, and it was so cool to hear about all the work that Daniel does. So follow him and keep up with him, and and mostly just hang out right now and check out his song, How Old Should I Be, from his record, Mr. Moonlight. And uh, now you know a whole lot more about how we got to this point, which is the point of this podcast, right? Getting to know the people who are making certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. Okay. Thanks for listening. Talk to you very, very soon.
stuff.